Welcome to another David McCracken Ministries podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you. Well, thank you. It's good to be back again and rejoicing with you and to see such a crowd of people out after seeing such a crowd on Friday night and there's more outside. Hey, that's a good sound message sent to the devil, isn't it? I mean, he's lost Hawaii. (laughs) He he may as well go off find some other place, I think. Um, It's a great joy to be back, and I want to thank Pastors Carl and Kanani for the privilege of being here again. And uh, I love this church, love your worship, love your heart. And uh, every time we drive up and we see the mountains and we start coming up the hill, people often figuratively, you know, spiritually, figuratively, uh, talk about a church needs to be set upon a hill. And they mean that kind of figuratively. You really are, aren't you? Yeah. You're, you're set on the hill. There's no missing you guys. So it's, it's cool. Um, so I want to just pray now and we're going to get into it together. I, I encourage you uh, that every single person in this building this morning is so uniquely and individually loved by my Father. I want to bring a word to the church, but friends, you are the church. You know, Pastors Carl and Kanani, they're, they're leaders in the church, but you're the church. And so the word that I'm bringing this morning is really for you. And I mean that with great sincerity. I mean that if you were the only person that turned up this morning, you'd be worth it. From, from my father's perspective, you'd be, it'd be worth it because you're that important to him. And I believe this is a time of uh, increase and challenge and, and a time when God wants to enlarge who we are as people. And when he enlarges who we are as people, he can then enlarge the capacity of the church. Um, God can never, ever enlarge a church beyond the capacity of the people that are in it. And so, therefore, if the Lord is wanting to do something amazing with this body of people in Hawaii then and globally, then he must do it first in you because you, you are the church. Um, and leadership can make decisions and get vision, but unless the people have a large, expansive heart, then God can't do that which he has declared to do. Um, a lot of people think of prophecy as being what God will do, but that's not true. Um, and I have been moving prophetically for nearly 50 years, and I, I'm going to say that that's just plum ain't true. I guarantee if I went through here and across the world, I'd find people who had been prophesied over, and the word had not come to pass. Prophecy is not what's going to happen. Prophecy is what God intends to happen. Prophecy is the mind, will, and intention of the Lord. That's what the word means. And so with every declaration of God's intention for your life, there is always going to be that other side of the bargain. 
which is your response to that word, your embracing of that word, your, your energy in seeking to see that word come to pass. And as we look at the word this morning, you need to be reaching out in your spirit and taking ownership and saying from within yourself, my God, I take this for myself. This isn't just for them or them or them. This is for me, and I want uh, that life-changing transformation that your word can bring to me. So I make it very personal this morning. Um, let's first pray. Father, we want to thank you, Lord. We love you with all of our hearts. And um, we know this morning that, Father, you love us indescribably. We are amazed at how you do. You love us. You accept us unconditionally. We have nothing to prove. Thank you, Father, that this morning that we are but sons and daughters in your sight. And you are our Father. And we want to thank you, Lord, for our wonderful, wonderful friend, the Holy Spirit. And we pray that he will now speak with every heart in this building that which is your intention for them. And we give you alone the honor, my Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right, I want to um, share with you some scriptures. But before I do, um, I just want to speak to... Um, this man's one, two, three rows back, and you just raise your hands like this in surprise. Yeah, okay, you got the right one. Um, I, I just got a flash picture, and I get things by way of picture, and I just saw a scene of a, a like a jungle track, for the want of a term, but it was hard going, what us Aussies would say, hard yakka. In other words, there's boulders in it and there was vines and there was stuff there. And, and so it was a bit of work going down that track. But I saw then suddenly a time of encounter. And when you had this time of encounter, it was like, the track was still there, but now it was like things were just clear before you even got to them. You'd, you'd, you'd come but expecting it to be as hard as it was before, but it wasn't. It was just the rocks would move, the vines would... And I believe God's bringing you into a time of discovering how to flow in his grace and his supernatural capacity to do what he's called you to do. All right, praise the Lord. Um, now, um, the scriptures that the Lord laid in my heart for you uh, for this weekend was uh, three scriptures. Luke, uh, sorry, Isaiah twenty six fifteen says, "Lord, you have extended all the borders of the land." Exodus thirty four twenty four says, "I shall enlarge or extend your borders." Um, friends, every time God extends our borders, he enlarges our territory. When you extend a border, you enlarge territory. Um, there, and so Isaiah 54 and verses 2 and 3 are primary scriptures. It says, enlarge. Enlarge the place of your tents. Let them stretch out the curtains of your dwelling and do 
not spare. The word there, do not spare, it means do not be over uh, logical and controlled about it, uh, be expansive about it, be, be extra, even extravagant about it, but don't spare. Don't, don't allow the world's anxiety to become your anxiety. Don't, don't look at it through the eyes of restraint and, and over-carefulness and by which you say, well, maybe I can only do this or maybe I can only do that. Uh, the word says, don't spare, but lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes. The, uh, your word, the cord, speaks about faith in our lives, strengthening them, lengthening them, and also the word of the Lord. And it goes on to say, for you shall expand to the right and to the left, and that is your greater possession here locally, but you shall also, dis your descendants shall possess the nations, which is greater possession globally, and make the desolate cities inhabited. In other words, reviving cities, reviving communities. And I believe all my heart that God is into community transformation. And the greatest agent on the planet to bring about transformation is not the social welfare department, it's not the government of relief, it is the church of Jesus Christ. And as the people People of God are, are sown into every aspect of society and every area of function, be it government, sport, be it uh, politics, be it um, commerce or industry, no matter what, God's people ought to be there. And God's people ought to be there with a sense that they are under divine appointment, divine anointing to see transformation take place in that place. Can someone say amen? Okay. And so God wants to expand our borders. He wants to expand how we think about all of that. And I want you now to think of a, I'm going to get it right this time, uh, a house lot. Is that right? The, the, the piece of dirt that you build a house on, <laughs> okay? In New Zealand, it's a section. In Australia, it's a block. And over here, it's a lot, okay? Um, strain to get my head around that, but you know, because a lot means more than most. But uh, um, that, that's it. Maybe you have got more than most. Right, there you got it. Um, so think of a house lot when I'm giving you the next few points. So what is a border for you? For any of you that own your own home or, or you, know, you know somebody that does own their own home, what is the border of that property? Well, that's a declaration of the territory that belongs to you. The border is a declaration of the territory that belongs to you. Secondly, that's a declaration of the territory in which your authority is recognized. I mean, when it comes to that piece of territory, your boss, your king, okay? You, 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 it didn't matter what dignitary came to town. They might have 400 titles on their head, but when they cross over your border, guess who's boss? Your boss. Why? Well, because you own that property. It happens to belong to you. Uh, okay, so a border declares the territory that belongs to you. It declares also the territory in which your authority is recognized. And it also declares the territory in which you have freedom. 
Freedom to, to roam at will. You can come out of the door uh, on a Saturday morning, uh, you know, uh, with women with their hair and the curlers. And, well, some guys could almost do that, couldn't they? Um, and, uh, you know, maybe the guys don't shine their ball spots or something. But you can do anything you like. Because why? Well, those borders tell you you have freedom. That's your territory. Okay. And the thing about that territory that you now have is that somebody paid for it. Now, you either paid for it at an earlier season of your life or, or somebody else paid it for you, but somebody had to pay a price for the territory that you now possess. You're getting a hold of this? And so what I want you to begin to see this morning is that, that there was a price paid to establish a border which gives you territory, which you now have freedom to enjoy. It determines the quality of your life and the property you possess. And you all have this right here this morning. You may not have physical property, but you have intellectual property. You have emotional property. You have spiritual property. You have borders. You have territory. Uh, um, because some people, for instance, they, they come in from a background. Um, but when they're coming into the church, they come from a background which has been just amazing family, loving parents, incredible, just beauty everywhere. And they come into the church and they've got this big, expansive amount of emotional, spiritual territory, psychological territory, and, and they're kind of buoyant out there kind of people, and they're very free people, and they bounce into your life, and you wonder whether they're on marijuana or something, and, and, and they just don't care about being vulnerable. Why? Because they, their territory is huge. But you have other people that come in and their background has been very dark indeed. Abusive. Maybe, maybe betrayal. Maybe there's been psychological, emotional damage along the way. And when they come into the church, their territory is incredibly small. And their borders are so tight. And they never feel freedom. Why? Because it's just too close to the border. And, and those borders, those borders are restrictive. So, but for most of us, I want to get to this point now, and I want you to see this, because it's no different spiritually. You have spiritual territory this morning. You have a spiritual territory in which if it's on that subject at that level, you're confident, you're bold, you can have initiative because through prayer or study of the word or fellowship, you have built a certain territory spiritually and you can be quite confident in that, but as long as it's within that territory. You understand what I'm trying to say? You know, some people educationally, they, they have bought a lot of territory because they studied a lot, gone to university and man alive, they can talk in lots of subjects. Other people have a very small territory. But right now, the word of the Lord to all of us is expand your territory, enlarge your borders, push them out. Right now, let me tell you something here, and we'll sum it up, um, well, the introduction at least. Um, as individuals, we have 
and I get, once you get this really clearly, we have a previously established borders in our lives, which now define the territory in which we can roam with freedom, we can roam with confidence, we can roam with initiative, we can run with boldness. Why? Because it's familiar territory, because we know that territory, and because it's our territory, and we can be incredibly bold in that territory which is ours. There's very few concerns. There's very little surprises. There's very few challenges. Why? Because it is territory already possessed, already familiar. And so, friends, today's territory can be a place of great confidence, great boldness, great initiative. I've been in churches and uh, it's no different for churches, organizations, or individuals. You can see, you go to certain churches or organizations, and with a, uh, you know, when you get on a certain subject, man, they're they're bold, they're they're in initiative, and they've got drive, and man, they really popping, you know. But you get on certain other subjects, and there's an, almost an insecurity about that. Why? Because it's not familiar territory. You understand? And so, friends, this morning I felt that. The Lord wanted me to say something to you because borders give us freedom. Borders give us security. Borders give us boldness. But borders also declare where that freedom ends. Those borders also declare to us that that's where your initiative has to stop. Uh, in Europe, it could, th that border might be just a river, a road, or a checkpoint, but everybody knows, everybody knows that when you get to that point, that's when your citizenship rights finish. Why? Well, you just hit the border. It's like the border between America and Mexico. You, you know, you, it doesn't matter who you are in, in Mexico, when you hit the border, you hit the border. It all stops when you hit the border. And so, and so it is that these borders then become not only the, 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 that which defines our freedom, but where our freedom finishes. Those borders tell us that we are, our boldness, our confidence is only going to be valid if it's within those previously established limits. Borders tell us that we must accept the status quo. Basically, borders tell us that we must accept the existing. The existing state of our lives, the existing state of our marriage, the existing capacity, the existing church program, the existing church building, the existing um, level of uh, my business in the marketplace. In other words, whatever we, uh, God has got us involved in, the borders are going to scream out to you and say, you want to remain confident? You want to remain border? What bold rather stay within your borders you get outside those borders it's unfamiliar territory out there it's scary out there now you could actually get hurt out there if you go outside the borders stay with what's familiar stay within the confines of where you feel secure because out there it's scary people get damaged out there and so those borders are screaming at you accept the status quo live as you are 
Don't set yourself up for disappointment. But I believe the Holy Spirit sent me here this morning to tell you that that's a lie. And that those borders actually are not reasonable, intelligent restraints within which to live. They are, that those borders scream out a defiance to the Holy Spirit and say, you are limited. Those borders dare to tell the Holy Spirit that there is a limit on what he can do in you and through you and touch others by you. Those borders of your previously established freedom actually are telling him he's got limits. And friends, he's got no limits. He's got no limits. Those borders do not allow for a creative God for whom there are no limits. They restrict him. They defy his authority. Friends, when, when the early settlers came out from England... It's such a good story. When, a, when the early settlers uh, came out from England and the first vote to discover what is now America, I wonder how many of you have stopped to consider what actually happened. I, I mean, we would take it all for granted for today. But you remember that those boats were about, the length of those boats weren't much more than the width of this building made of wood, they had a sail, you had to be half nuts to get in the thing. And, 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 and when they offered people to sign up for it, what was the offer? Oh, it was something like this. Um, we're going to get in this piece of wood, we're going to get in this thing, and we're going to sail out there. What do you mean out there? Well, out there. Uh, um, well, what is out there? We have no idea what's out there because it hasn't been discovered yet. So we don't know yet. It's, it's blue water from horizon to horizon. Well, how do you know there's any land out there? No, but, but there might be land out there. Are you getting this? Yeah. What sort of raw courage was necessary to get in the boat? And even if they did find some land, what was on the land? There could have been dinosaurs. There could have been anything. <laughs> and so these people that got on this boat and sailed out not knowing where they were even going ended up on a piece of land, a beach or something, and they discovered America. And then... Later on, more boats came, and more boats came, and they established a community, and then a town sprang up. Now, here's the bit of the story that I'm getting to. A few years later, that same group from the original boat were now the council members, the overseers of the community, and they met to, for this purpose. Shall we go so many days travel up the river to establish another community. And it's recorded. They unanimously threw the notion out the window. Why? It was too dangerous. 
Think about it. They had got into a boat and gone off into the horizon, not having a clue what planet they were going to end up on. And a few years later, they didn't want to go four days journey up a river. Now, what had happened? Well, the pioneers had become settlers. And the spirit of conquest had given way to the spirit of survival. Friends, I have been serving the Lord for just over 50 years now. And let me tell you something. I have seen so many Christians start off with a blaze of first love, passion. My goodness, we're going to break the world open. And, you know, I know how significant I am. God, the Holy Spirit's real. They're believing for something amazing tomorrow. And then you visit them three years later, five years, ten years later. The pioneers have become settlers. Friends, I tell you what, God, God wants to stir the spirit of conquest in our hearts again. God wants to stir something inside of us and realize no matter how much territory you have now, no matter how expansive your borders are now, they are not enough. They are not where God wants some place. God wants enlargement and expansion and growth for every single person in this building. And it doesn't matter what your vocation is, I'm applying it to you. You know, there's a story about, true story, um, about uh, Singapore. I love that nation. And Singapore, it is, it's a gorgeous nation. But after World War II, Singapore was just a bombed out nothing. They didn't have any natural wealth, natural mineral, didn't have any industry, didn't have a con. They didn't have anything. They had an island that had been ravaged by war and nothing. They didn't even have their own water supply. They had to get it from Malaysia. They had nothing. But a man called Lee Kuan Yew came to power in Singapore, seized control, and he just had a basic, I don't know, mentality, attitude, call it what you like. He just, would, his basic th- thrust was, don't you dare tell me what cannot be done. That was basically it. So then he began to, by, sh- by sheer will force and the unity of the people that he gathered around him, they did what the world thought was impossible at the time they built Singapore. And then when they had finished building Singapore, someone said, well, now you've, got to, now you've got to accept you're an island. You are an island, and you've built on the entire island. There's no island left, and so you've got to accept that you've done all you can do. And he said, well, don't you dare tell me what I cannot do. We'll go up. So they went up. And then when they'd finished going up, they said, well, now you've got to understand there's limits. And said, don't tell me what I can or cannot do. And he went to Malaysia, bought two mountains, blew them to smithereens, brought the rubble back, and extended Singapore by another third. Then he built on all of that. And then when he built on all of that, Malaysia decided, I'm not, we're not giving you any more mountains to blow up. 
And so, so they said, well, now you're going to really have to accept the borders. He says, don't tell me what cannot be done. We'll go down. And now you can go to Singapore and go on these high-speed escalators down to the core of the earth. And there's another Singapore down there. Why? Because one man with a bombed-out crater of nothingness after World War II had a certain attitude. And friends, that attitude needs to be in the church. He was not a Christian man, but I'll tell you what, that attitude is biblical. We serve a God for whom there are no limits. The only thing that limits him is our surrender to his purpose and his intention. And I believe that's what God really sent me here today to say. Don't, you know, I think of that story, didn't mention it on Friday, but um, was it President Truman, wasn't it, who was President of the United States when they bombed Pearl Harbor? Was that Truman? Roosevelt. Was it? The guy in the wheelchair. Oh, well, Okay. The one in the wheelchair, anyhow. I saw the movie. <laughs> um, now, but the thing that the thing that was true to life, apparently, absolutely so, um, was the scene whereby he was after the bombing of Pearl Harbor. They were meeting with his generals and people like that, uh, and they said, um, "What can we do?" And they said, "Well, we know what we'd like to do. We'd, we'd like to." bomb Japan in retaliation and, and, the, and they said yeah but we all know that's impossible and they discussed it for a few moments and then everybody nodded their heads well it is it's, there's no way you can't do this because you can't do that and that won't allow you to do that and that can't do that and so there is no way so that, 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 that option's impossible and I'll never forget it this man confined to a wheelchair he, he, he grabbed hold of the edge of the president and I say, he grabbed hold of the edge of the wheelchair and he pushed himself up and he slapped these steel braces on his legs because his legs had no life in them. And, and he clanked them into place and shoved them up with obviously under great exertion and pain. And he stood to his feet for the first time and he said, you don't tell me what cannot be done. There will be a way. And there was. And they found a way. But my friends, listen to me. There's a certain attitude. I see it right from Genesis to Revelation that those who know their God shall know him and do what? Exploits. God didn't call us in the coming conference, Inspire Conference. I'm one of the speakers, and I'll be speaking on living a supernatural life. God didn't call us to be living a life confined by our humanity and by our past and by our experiences. Anybody out there can do that. You're empowered by the Holy Spirit. And friends, maybe it's been a while since you stopped to consider the enormity of that. You are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. He is completely supernatural. He has no restraints and no limits. And if you are surrendered to Him as your power source, I'm telling you now, anything within the will of my Father, you can do. If He asks you to do it, you can do it. And the more impossible it is, the more honor he gets when it becomes a reality.
The doctors have written me off the planet I don't know how many times. Man, I should have been wheeled in here in a pine box. But I know I can do absolutely anything that my Father asks me to do. Let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. Father, right now, I know that you're talking to people. I know that you're talking to sons and you're talking to daughters that you love so very, very much. That you have such an incredible future for if they will but surrender enough to discover it. Father, I pray that our expectations and our anticipations will reflect more of your indescribable power, unrestrained creative capacity than our own life experience. So, Father, give us the courage to step boldly out of our borders, not fearing the unknown, but embracing the one who already stands in our future. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for new hope, faith, confidence, boldness to spring forth in the hearts of your people, Father, that they will embrace everything that you ever ask them to do, Father, no matter whether it's logical or reasonable, but Father, oh, that we'd embrace your will and intention. There's not a life in this place that cannot be better. There's not a marriage in this place that cannot be better. There's not a business in this place that cannot be better. Father, thank you, Father. Just while we pause for a moment in prayer, if God's been speaking to you this morning, and I know that he has been speaking to some of you directly, and there's a yearning inside of you to live that supernatural life, there's a yearning inside of you to go beyond the borders of yesterday's restrictions, yesterday's limitations, that you will not be ruled by yesterday's experiences one more day. Father, Grant us the power and the authority and the courage to embrace your future. If that's you, then I want you to stand to your feet right now and say, Father, I volunteer for the future. I'm volunteering for the future. I want the borders of my limitations broken down. Father, I want a, a, a sense of hope, faith, and courage that will stir me to go beyond anything I thought possible yesterday. I want to embrace the impossibility of tomorrow. Wonderful. Wonderful. Oh, how he loves you. What he has planned and purposed for you is extraordinary. Don't let the enemy tell you that you're not significant. You are incredibly significant to him. Father, I pray for each one that is standing, Lord, and those that may not, Father, but Lord, I just ask right now, Father, in the power of agreement together, 
that every discouragement of yesterday be broken right now, right now, right now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we forbid discouragement or disillusionment from yesterday. And Father, we declare a new hour and a new day. We declare new beginnings. We declare, Father, this morning that each person in this place will leave this place realizing afresh that they are a son, they are a daughter. They are the delight of your heart. And Father, as they walk out of this door, they go out to embrace a greater day than yesterday because you are the one that directs their tomorrow. Father, we love you. We give you our hearts in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Thanks for listening. For more content, head to our website, davidmccracken.org.